Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Welcome back to Ruined, guys. I'm Hallie Kiefer. I'm Allison Leiby. Ooh, and we're getting ready for a spooky October. Spooky season. We're doing all new episodes this month. We're doing horror classics. Well, they're always new. Oh, you're right. <laughs> we're doing even more. We're new already episodes. at reruns. <laughs> all all new, a new movie every week. And yeah. in particular, this month will be horror classics, which classics. of course is a wide genre, but they're most of the horror classics that I personally wanted to cover. So yeah. And also just like I think that these are ones that also, like, as we've discussed what these movies are, they're the ones that I'm like thrilled to hear about because I know they show up in other pop culture all the time and I'm always like oh yeah I like totally know what that means and I never do so this will be very helpful for everyone else like me I do like the idea that 30 years after the fact you're like I finally get that Simpsons joke that's truly what's going to happen is I'm going to sit down and watch an old episode of the Simpsons and I'll be like oh that's where that's from So as you know because you listen diligently every week because you love us on Ruined I explain a horror movie in great detail because I love horror movies. And uh, I hate them and refuse to see them, but demand to know all the twists and information about them so that I can appear smart. In addition to doing a month-long Halloween bonanza of incredible horror classics, we've also chosen to do something that in retrospect was a bad idea, which is we are going to, every episode, rate and review a different Halloween candy. So you might think, oh, what a delicious treat. But because we're dumb, we decided that we're going to find the worst Halloween candy. Yes. And everybody had a lot of opinions, of which we polled uh, the internet, which notably always gives uh, the best information. Exactly. And to- totally unbiased and nice. Completely objective. <laughs> and the one we're having, we're going to start with a very controversial candy. Even in this podcast, it's controversial. The candy is Whoppers, the original Molten Milk Ball, which yes. I personally do not like. However, <laughs> Al- Allison has a strong and shocking rebuttal to this argument. I love Whoppers. I think that they are one of the best candies on the market. It is hard for, like, especially what we're talking about, like, this is Halloween candy, but, like, as a movie candy? Get out of here. Okay. I, I could eat a cardboard carton of them. And that's how they come, as if you're pouring yourself a delicious <laughs> glass of Whoppers. Yes. Honestly, I would rather drink a glass of Whoppers than any milk. Um, now, I just op- I opened the carton, and it is an intense smell coming out of the, uh, coming hot off these Whoppers. I'm going to be honest, this is a reveal into like what, how I'm actually truly a mean girl, or like a reformed mean girl, I suppose, is that I remember in high school, I was, I was in love with this guy, and my good friend Jess, oh, but he was he had a girlfriend, of course. My, oh, and my of good course. friend Jess, hi Jess. He was like, <laughs> "Well, that girl's like Whoppers, you know. You're never gonna buy them, but like if they're available, you'll eat them." So and then we always called this girl Whoppers, not to her face, just in our yeah. private, mean, catty little, you know. Yeah, uh, it's not mean or if people never find out about it. 
Exactly. And I don't even remember this girl's name, so I can't say it. And <laughs> I, I'm sure she was lovely. I have truly no idea who she even is. Who in knows? Maybe she sucks. But that is my associate with Whopper, where it's like, I, under, I understand why someone would eat them. I don't understand why someone would like them enough to say, as Allison has said, her favorite candy. So I'm going to have one right now. Yes. I will also. also. I'm okay, going to lean yeah. away. I already had several this morning. But yeah, I'm going to lean gonna away say. from the mic, or we're going to edit this out. Because I have me- I have misophonia, so I can't hear people chew, or I start losing my mind. I have that before normal people, which is just chewing is disgusting. Okay. My thoughts. It is like biting into a piece of chalk. It is dry, dusty, and hard. It feels like you're eating a chocolate-covered tooth. <laughs> then it, it breaks into your mouth, and it, it like sawdust. It draws all the moisture out of your mouth. And Allison, so you like that? I you, think that's something that you like. This was good. I liked this experience. I thought <laughs> I keep them in my house all the time. I'm a texture eater, and like crunch is very important to me. So I like this like soft crunch. It's just the right amount of chocolate. I think I also like the taste of malt. And like right. malt, malt is just, I had a conversation with somebody. It's just sweet umami. Fascinating. Like it's kind of like, it's not, it's like an outside of like the sweet, salty, sour, bitter world. And it kind of is its own earthy thing. And I like that. I will say I don't have a problem with the flavor of malt. I think the flavor is fine. It oh, is the texture. Interesting. That is like you're eating a piece of gravel or, or a hard piece of sand and a dry dust fills your mouth. Not for me. So let's, I think we should, much like we have our spooky scale where we, we rate our movies sure. from uh, one to 10 screams, an excellent yeah. scale. <laughs> Very scientific. Allison, tell me, where are we going, where are we falling here? On, on the uh, tasty scale? On the tasty scale. The tasty scale. I would give Whoppers a nine. Wow, absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Like a psychopath. I like things that are bad. I'll say that. I'll be the first person to say Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. (laughs) Now you don't have to say it. You know, they're not as bad as I remember them being, but they are still not good. So (laughs) I will give them a four, and I feel good about that. We have some other bad candy coming up, so. We've got some real nasty shit coming up. You want to save the one, twos, and threes for the stuff that causes dental problems. Oh, yeah. We've already tried another one, but I'm barely going to give a one. So, (laughs) you know, four is leading the pack as far as I'm concerned of the ones we, we have planned. I'll take four. I'll, I'll accept that. Great. So, guys, please, I would say go home and eat whoppers. Don't. I'll just mail you my huge carton. I can't oh. believe you bought that many. Well, no. My, so, the, the other secret oh. that comes out is my boyfriend, this is his, whoppers is also his favorite candy. I mean. Shocking. I get that. I understand that. It makes sense that he's your partner in your personal life and I am your partner in your professional life. Like, you there's a common very thread. similar. You have a type. It's people who like whoppers. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's a lot to unpack. If you like Whoppers and think that and want to describe what that means about you as a person, please write in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Email us, tweet at us. Who cares? This week, we are doing Rosemary's Baby. And in a really fun <laughs> treat for me that I don't normally get, uh, Allison, uh, we have her watch the trailer and then we get her reactions. I don't usually get to watch. I just watched her watch the Zoom <laughs> silently th- uh, or watch the trailer through Zoom died laughing because it's just watching you have different shades of horror on your face. Well, that's like one of the weirdest, wildest trailers I've ever seen. And I feel like people should definitely like, whether you've seen the movie or you're never going, like that trailer is like nothing I've ever seen before in terms of like a movie. Like I have no idea what the movie is about. Like, I mean, I know Mm -hmm. like there's a baby and it's terrifying, but like, that's all you, like there's just so little information. Perfect. Yeah. The way trailers should be. 
Yeah, I also like when they're just like off the bat, it's just the first line of the trailer is her going like, should we have sex? And I'm like, yes, I'm in. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I like not knowing where it'll go, but knowing that there will be some sex in it. So we always like to take a baseline scary about sort of Allison, where is Allison's at? So Allison, tell me, how scary do you find the idea of being pregnant? I mean, <laughs> extremely. Terrifying. <laughs> As somebody who was performing an hour about her abortion up until the pandemic started and I stopped doing stand-up, um, no thanks. <laughs> Not exactly. Yeah, none for uh, me. No, th- already opted out once. And especially under whatever these circumstances are, which feels like mostly right. um, like melty black candles and the ceiling of a church. <laughs> I didn't think either of those things would ever be involved in pregnancy and knowing they could me- be turns me off so much more. Yeah, there, um, you know, I, uh, I haven't talked to my therapist in months, but um, I remember I was talking to her about potentially having a child and her first question was like, well, how do you feel about being pregnant? And it's so funny because that's like the last thing I thought of. I was like, oh, there's all these other things to consider. And I was like, oh, I think that'd be fine with being pregnant. And then as soon as I left, I was like, oh, my God, I hadn't even thought about the actually physically being pregnant part. The worst part, I think. Oh, well, absolutely. And Having not had a child and not planning to have a child or anything like that. It just, the right. pregnancy seems, it's already scary. Like a movie about a regular pregnancy, I think, could be very scary. Absolutely. And I think there's something, and I think this movie really plays into it really well, where it is the inevitability. Like, what, what it's happening it, it, it's, yes. it's out of your control in a way that yes. like is maybe reassuring. Sometimes it's like, well, my body is going to figure some of this out. But yeah. the other part is like, once it's happening, especially labor, you can't back yep. out. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to yeah. try oh, again. You, you can back out. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm imagining once labor begins. Labor I think begins. Once labor begins, it's like, all right, well, you can't you can't be like, I'll do it next month. You know, like. And there's also the element of like, we don't research uh, what happens to women medically because, like, yeah. we don't care. So I think there's also still just the general, even though we know so much about, like, pregnancy and having a baby at this point, like, I think a lot of it is still, like, I don't know, and that's just, like, what women's bodies do and we don't know why, but it works out. Like, I think that yeah. there's so much, like, that we don't know just in the world. So, like, I assume also when this was made, we knew so much less. Yeah, it is It is interesting to think about, like, and, and the movie sort of plays with that as sort of, like, feeling distressed or feeling uncomfortable but having someone in a position of authority tell you, that's just how it feels. You're yeah. just supposed to be uncomfortable. You're just supposed to be scared. Like, this is very normal. And at what point are you supposed to say, no, no, no. This is not normal. This is not normal, and I do not want to accept this. Well, I assume that this is not a normal pregnancy. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, this is, again, one of those things, even if you haven't seen it, you've probably heard of it from culture. It's based on a uh, book of the same name by Ira Levin. And, of course, Mia Farrow plays Rosemary, and John Cassavetes plays Guy. So it's Rosemary and Guy Woodhouse. And, yeah, let's get it started. Do you have any predictions about, I mean, I think we know there's going to be a pregnancy and it ain't going to be good. Yeah, it seems uh, satanic slash haunted. Great. Mm -hmm. That's the vibe I'm picking up just from that trailer, which honestly was some of the most interesting editing. And I wish more people, I wish like modern movie trailers were more like those. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't give too much away. Yeah. And uh, this movie is very good about, you know nothing is good is going to happen. It, you're still wrapped in every moment. And so. you hadn't seen it until this viewing? No, no, I've seen this before. Oh, you've seen this? Yes. There's other I'm, ones that you haven't. Okay. Yes, there's. I think there's only one this this of our spooky Halloween classics, incredible movie, Phantasmagorium, that I have not seen. The other ones oh, okay. I have seen and loved, great. and that's okay, why I want to do them. Great, I'm excited. Yeah, so I have seen, so let us begin. Let us begin. Let's pay a visit to Rosemary's Baby. 
So Rosemary and Guy go to visit the Bramford apartment building, which is based in New York, which is based on the Dakota, where, you know, John John Legend. John Legend and Chrissy Teigen are going to move, you know, I'm assuming. And that's how the Beatles broke up. Exactly. Time-traveling John Legend lived there. And it is, it really is a New York of a different time because Rosemary doesn't work and Guy is like a stage actor slash commercial actor. And oh. they're moving into essentially a classic six in a <laughs> stunning older building. And they're like, let's do it. The I, No I, human, no. no human, no one human being could afford those apartments anymore. No. Oh, oh my God. No, you would have to be from generational wealth and yes. be in private equity to be able to live in like a beautiful classic Manhattan apartment at this point. So that's already scary. Yeah. They're right on Central Park. It's stunning. So you understand why Rosemary and Guy go and they see it and it's this gorgeous, huge rooms, huge ceilings, just nothing you see in New York. So they're obviously like, all right, we gotta, we gotta just get this apartment. Yeah. Of course, the question is, why would an apartment this beautiful and rent controlled, reasonably priced, be on the market? Well, it turns out that the last tenant, Mrs. Gardenia, well, she went to a coma and uh, she died. She was oh. elderly. Okay. And um, she died after a terrible long uh, coma. And you know what? They go through the apartments, a lot of uh, drapery. And there's a lot of what I would describe as old herbs, you know, around dry oh, sure. herbs. Old dry herbs. Like, yeah. That's have. comforting. And again, living in New York, I'm like, that does seem like something you would find. So that's yeah, not so crazy. It's, there's weird stuff in people's homes. Rosemary looks through some of the papers on this woman's desk and she sees a line that's written says, I can no longer associate myself. Oh, but nothing you know, to worry we about all, there. We all write letters to our pen pals <laughs> saying things like that. So, <laughs> hey, you know, it's just one of those things where, again, where it's like, what would it take? For, what would you have to see into, in a huge, inexpensive apartment for you to say, I don't think we could take this? And the answer is a severed head or something. You yeah, know? I think it would actually be like way further on the scale than you think. Like, yes. I think about even some of the things that I've tolerated just like living here and like walking around. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, like I on paper should not be okay with this, but I've just accepted this as what my life is. Yeah, and we talked about this, but like when I moved, I moved to LA earlier this year and uh, my boyfriend is from LA and looking for apartments, I was like, is it not literally a dump? Great, yeah. we'll move in. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, but how, what are you talking, we have to like pay for trash and everything. So this is an example of what you're getting. Right. But what what you're exchanging and, and in, what we find out, of course, is what you're exchanging is your spiritual safety, as it turns out. Yes. And the only other odd thing in this apartment is there's a closet that abuts against the next apartment that Mrs. Gardenia has shoved a gigantic dresser in front of to block the closet door. See, I already don't like that. That's not good. Okay, but on the flip side... But you get a free dresser, it seems And like. exactly, Mrs. Gardenia's son is like, we, I'll just sell you the, some of the furniture if you want it, so... Right? I mean, it's like moving's a hassle. <laughs> yeah, so Rosemary's the one pushing for it. Rosemary's like, this is sickening, the location is incredible. Like, where else are we going to find a place... They immediately move in. And the first person they tell that they're moving is their friend, their good friend, Hutch, who, again, this is a different New York. Hutch appears to be their landlord, and they are dear (laughs) friends, and he makes them a going-away lamb, a lamb dinner, saying, I'm going to miss you so much. I guess where I think it's, like, his house, and he just, like, rents it out to them, you know? Like, they actually know each other. And uh, they're having dinner, and Hutch is like, I'm sorry to see you go, but, you know, you guys are such great tenants, and we'll still be good friends. Did you know that the Bramford has a rather unpleasant reputation from around the turn of the century? 
And it turns out some pretty interesting characters lived in this building. For example, the Trench Sisters. Oh. Who we find out are two Victorian sisters who cannibalize <laughs> children. And they say this, including what? including a niece. <laughs> I'm like, a niece? <laughs> Somehow that made it, like, they did, like, random children was fine. And then their own niece, I'm like, like, oh, my God, a niece. Not her niece. Her sister's daughter? <laughs> like, right, exactly. Like, was that another? Was it even, like, her own? Right. I don't know. Did one of the sisters eat one of the other sister's daughters? Or is this a third sister who's is not exactly. part of the the duo? Boy, she's really probably regrets letting her other sister's babysit, considering yeah, what we find out about them. Um, I think. There's also Keith Kennedy is mentioned. Pearl Ames used to live there. And Adrian Mercado. All these people are fabricated, and I love a movie that just makes I was going to say, should things. I know who any of those people are? No, I Googled them to make sure, like, oh, what a fun, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. No, they're they all made out for okay. Yeah, I like even more. Um, yeah, so Adrian Mercado, we sort of find out about the Trench Sisters, and then Adrian Mercado it was a male witch, which we love to see. Love to see. Adrian Mercado practiced witchcraft. He made quite a splash in the 90s by announcing that he'd conjured up the living devil. Apparently, people believed him, so they attacked and nearly killed him in the lobby of the Brantford. You're joking. Okay. He d- he lived there, too? Yeah, so he lived in the building, ostensibly conjured the devil in the building, and then once people found out, didn't like that. No, of course. And, like, I respect his neighbors for killing him, but also, like, that sounds like, he's like, he made an announcement and an angry mob came after him, and it's like, is that Twitter? <laughs> Like, that's right, truly exactly. the world we live in. <laughs> if somebody, I feel like somebody could announce they conjured the living devil on Twitter and people would not even, like, the algorithm wouldn't even bump it. Like, yeah, no one everybody would even be see like, it. did you see that Trump, like, lied? Oh, God. <laughs> right, anyway. so, yeah, no. So, so Hutch's general point is, hey, I'm glad you, it was so great to have you guys living with me. I do want to warn you, it does seem like the new building you're moving into is filled with witches and cannibals. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. And Rosemary and Guy are like, oh, but if you saw these ceilings, if you saw, like, I it, mean, it's crown stunning. molding, I'll I'll put up Gorgeous. with some extraterrestrial, not extraterrestrial, paranormal <laughs> things for some good yeah, crown you molding. Would put up, you would put up with extra, extraterrestrial stuff. Oh, I mean, at this point, they seem like they'd be helpful more than anything. And Hutch also says in, uh, so this took place in 68. And so in uh, 59, a dead infant was found wrapped in newspaper in the basement. Oh my God. And Rosemary said, un- says, unpleasant things happen in every apartment house, which um, is true and very funny. Not that. That's so intense. Cut to, they're moving in. Okay. They're painting everything white. It's stunning. It's a great apartment. You know, and <laughs> and Rosemary, we find out pretty soon, like, she's ready to have kids. You know, Guy is like a sta- struggling stage actor. He was in two plays that keep referencing Luther and Nobody Loves an Albatross. And every time someone's like, oh, is your husband in any movies? She's like, he was in these plays. Like, she's trying to be very supportive. Yes, of course. He's in a Nothing Yamaha. like locking down an out-of-work actor. That's really exactly. the dream. And so, you know, we find out that she has a bunch of brothers and sisters, but she, her family's in Omaha, so she's sort of a strange, like, you know, they're not nearby, you know, so there's not a lot of people checking up on her. And they realize that the uh, walls are very thin. Essentially, these were even larger apartments that were divided up, so between them and the next apartment is basically a partition, it's not a full wall. Whoa, okay. See, I would want, that's important information. I wouldn't be happy with that, but I would make do for a Exactly, of course you would. And so, uh, so they're moving in, and like you said, saw in the trailer, Rosemary says, hey, let's make love. So Guy just sort of yanks the lamp cord out of the wall, and they strip down, and they have <laughs> sex on the floor. Perfect. 
And I think, I mean, like, I think it's supposed to be this moment of, like, joie de vivre, young love. We're so optimistic. But also, she is ready to, like, let's just start having kids. Like, right. I want three kids. I, I want to start now when I'm young. We can you have enjoy all the it. space. I mean, do it. Yeah. We actually have room for a nursery. So they're going to redo one of the buildings. And so things are going really well. And and maybe, yes, Guy does keep watching TV to see his one Yamaha motorcycle commercial. And is sort of, like, obsessed with himself. But again, that's an actor. He's an actor. You knew that going in. Um, and so they eventually meet, uh, Rosemary meets another tenant, this woman named Terry Ginofrio, in the laundry room. And Terry Ginofrio says, oh, I actually am staying with this couple that lives right next to you, the Casavets. And they took me in, like I, I, mean, I was dealing with addiction and I had nowhere else to go. And they took me in. They've really been treating me like a granddaughter. And she even says, Honestly, I thought they wanted me for some kind of sex thing, but it turns out that they, everything's been on the up and up. Oh. So I appreciate that they acknowledged like <laughs> I'm glad that worked she out. was. Yeah, at least she was sort of like, okay, but what is this? Right. And around her neck, Terry has like a good luck charm, which is like a, a metal sphere filled with a stinking rank herb of some sort mm. called Tannis Root. That sounds already very witchy. Yeah. And it stinks so bad that anyone, like, Rosemary smells it and it goes, oh, like, just like a comical, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not just like, oh, it's a little unpleasant. It smells like shit. And but Terry's like, haha, it smells like shit, but I hope it works, you know? Works. And, you know, it's, so again, another thing where it's like, well, I just don't know. It, this seems like a bad thing. But, you know, hey. So, um, Rosemary Wait, what is it her, supposed, does she say what it's supposed to do? It's just supposed to be good luck. Oh, it's good luck. Okay. Just supposed feels to be very, good luck. Feels very goop, you know? I wear this smelly herb around my neck and a necklace. It's $9,000. <laughs> exactly. And I do think in New York, like, if someone were to say that to you, you'd be like, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. All right, live your life. Yeah. And then when they're laying there, Rosemary and Guy can hear the couple next door. And they're sort of arguing, and then as they're going to sleep and they're fading off, we hear that next door in that apartment, there's what I would describe as a lot of chanting. Oh. And a recorder playing. And that's no. where I think that's where I draw the line for apartments. No, you know I, mean? I can't. I'm not. I'm not hearing musical instruments, and I'm definitely not hearing musical instruments that are played exclusively by third graders and have no like <laughs> real notes. Like a recorder is like both spooky and terrible. Right. Like if they are playing Rihanna, I would accept it. If they are playing Rihanna on a recorder, I'm not accepting it. Right. Yes. Like if somebody was sitting down to a piano and was decent at playing piano, it would be annoying, but it wouldn't be like. No, nah, no. Nah. A harbinger of uh, evils to come. The next day, Rosemary and Guy are coming back home from a night out. Somebody has left or fallen off the building and died. Great. And they rush up, and it's Terry, the woman she just met in the laundry room. Mm, that route didn't work. And she's obviously dead. She's ex- as dead as you could be. And as they're waiting there, somebody turns and said, oh, she lived with a Castavets. And they turn and they meet, see for the first time, Minnie and Roman Castavet. And in a, in a fantastic choice, they look like the most bumbling, like, next-door neighbor on a sitcom. Like, Minnie Castavet has, like, a, fl- a fake flower hat and, like, huge rouge and, like, a, like a neon <laughs> paisley dress. And her husband has, like, a matching pink um, pinstripe jacket. Yeah, they seem down for some sex stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, if you saw them, they're like, I'm gonna have sex with you. <laughs> but they look, they, it's almost like they're, they're just supposed to be, like, right. so comical, they're disarming, yes. you know? Like, these guys, these, they're, they're harmless. 
And they run up and Mindy Castavez is like, I can't believe it. She was so happy. There's no way she would have done this. And Rosemary's like, oh, I know we haven't met, but I just spoke to Terry and I agree she did seem happy. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, not so much. And uh, Terry's death is chalked up to a suicide. All right. So uh, the next day, the Castavets, Mini Castavets comes to visit Rosemary and says, you know, I really appreciate you said those nice things about Terry and and I didn't know that she had met someone else in the building, you know, and I just sort of wanted to maybe start ingratiating myself into your life. Sure. Like basically she's like, I, like, oh, you're going to be sort of our young, the young people that we sort of like draw into our lives. Yes. Now that Terry has uh, uh, met her fate. And uh, so the cast of it starts to, to really try to befriend Rosemary and Guy, who like, Neither of them are really that interested because they're like in their 20s, they're like going out, you know, and it's like, oh God, do we if we if we befriend the elderly couple, then that's like our thing. It's like, yeah. oh no, every time they come, they're gonna be watching for us and like come over, they're gonna keep wanting to hang out. And, and you we're know just they're never there. busy. So like they're just exactly. gonna be ready and waiting to hang yeah. whenever you're free. So it's like it just becomes a nuisance. So there's a lot of like really wonderful dream sequences where Rosemary's asleep and and the, what she hears through the wall is sort of bleeds into her dream and we hear at some point Mrs. Castavet says sometimes I wonder how you're the leader of anything I told you not to tell her in advance I told you she wasn't open minded Ooh. obviously speaking about presumably Terry yeah and so so they're sort of like I don't know I you know, Rosemary's willing to hang out with them, but Guy comes home and he just lost out of this big party he was up for, for to Donald Baumgart. And Rosemary's like, hey, sorry, I told him we'd come over for a steak dinner. And Guy's like, I don't want to have to go eat with those old people and blah, blah, blah. And He's finally, and they have like a passive aggressive, like f- uh, couple disagreement, but in a way that felt very like, okay. Sure. Normal. That happens. And in the end, Guy's like, fine, we'll go over there. So we go over there, and Mr. Kestovitz like, actually, I'm a producer, and I saw you at Luther, and I thought you were incredible, and I know all these people. I know Henry Irving. Like, I just know everything about New York entertainment. And so Guy's like, oh, okay, so maybe you guys should— have been fighting coming to this dinner. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty good dinner. And so there is a moment while uh, Rosemary goes in with um, Mrs. Kestovitz, and they're doing the dishes, and she looks into the living room— and she just sees, like, this trail of cigar smoke. And you realize that, like, Mr. Kestavet and Guy are having, like, a very quiet conversation. And that's our first intimation of, is what is Mr. Kestavet quietly talking to Guy about? Yes. Okay. And what like kind that. of, exactly. So as soon as they get home, Guy's like, you know, I think I'm going to go over there tomorrow and talk to Mr. Kestavet. He knows all about entertainment. Maybe he could help me, you know, like. Maybe okay. he could help me get a break. And Rosemary's like, oh, man, but you were the one who's saying you didn't want to hang out with them. And I didn't have a good time. And I thought it was weird. Also, when we went over there, did you notice that they took down all the photos off their wall? Oh. So there were spaces and hooks. Okay. No photo. I don't like that. The next day, Mrs. Castavet and her friend Laura Louise from the 12th floor, who sucks even worse, come over and they barge in to visit Rosemary and they immediately take out their knitting and embroidery. And it's like, we are posting up. Like, we are here in your house. And Rosemary's like, you know, it's like, I don't have anywhere to go, so I can't kick them out. Right. Yeah. That's why you need a job. (laughs) And while they're there, Mrs. Castavet gives Rosemary the um, good luck charm with the tannis root that, that had belonged to Terry. Had she like taken it off of Terry's body? Yeah, and we after see we died? see it. We see it on her body covered in blood. Cool. 
And Mrs. Cassavetes said, I want to give this to you. This is like from our family. Mr. Cassavetes' family is over 300 years old. And Rosemary says, I can't accept it. And, and this, this is like a perfect, oh, sorry, line reading. Mrs. Cassavetes said, you already have. <gasps> yeah. Mm-mm. That's very scary. <laughs> so she takes it, but then like, she, it is very pretty, but she's like, it smells. So Guy comes home and she's like, oh, Mrs. Kestevet gave me this. It looks nice, but God, this thing, it really smells. And Guy goes, it's pretty. If you took it, you should wear it. Okay. I don't like, the, he's done such a 180 that yeah. I am already out on Guy. Exactly. And so the next day, Guy gets that part that he was up for because the person who got it, Donald Baumgart, went blind Oh, how convenient. He just woke up and he couldn't see. And so now it has gone to Guy. So you got to think, what what was that conversation that Guy had with Mr. Castavet? What would he have to have agreed to that his rival, professional rival, rival suddenly went blind? Yeah. It's not going to be something good. And the only person Rosemary is really in communication with is Hutch, you know, their friend from their um, old apartment. And she goes to visit him and she's he, she kind of like lets her like happy, everything's fine slip. Right. And she's like, he's really been ignoring me and being sort of rude and, and just obsessed with his career. And then he, she gets home and he's bought her, guys bought Rosemary roses and they're in every room and he apologizes. And he's like, I'm sorry, I've been so obsessed with my career and I, I want to recommit and I want to start trying. I want to start trying for a baby tonight. Okay. And Rosemary's like, yes, let's do this, you know? And so, like, they have, like, a little romantic dinner, and they light the fire, and, you know, she's very excited. So she didn't get pregnant from the first time that they made love. No. That's what we're believing. Well, they don't say it, but I'm assuming at the beginning she's on the pill or they're using some other form of birth control. And then with that day, they're like, it's on. Now we're going to actually start actively trying. And she's like, great, this is what I've been hoping we could start doing. So now it's like the evil is already here as things are happening, and now we're going to make a baby. Right. And they didn't say, like, Guy was not totally against it, but he definitely was not pushing for them to get pregnant. And now Guy's like, let's Let's do do it. Mm. And while they're enjoying the romantic meal before they're about to make love, Mrs. Kestovitz stops by with two chocolate mousses. So, you know, like you do. Like you bring your like neighbor. cups of chocolate mousse. Yes. Not Delicious. Not like a sculpture of a mousse made of chocolate. <laughs> I really wish. But she does call them chocolate mouses. And then there is sort of like, a, a Rosemary had these sort of like dreams about like being bitten by a mouse. And it's sort of, it is like, it plays with language in an interesting way. Yeah. So, so she's like, okay, great. These look good. They start eating and, and, and Rosemary's like, there's this really chalky aftertaste. Like a Whopper? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> We didn't even mean to pair this movie with this candy, but here we are with Synergy. <laughs> In my mind, that the mousse tastes like a bunch of mushed-up Whoppers. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> so she knows that means it's poison or something. Right, yeah, of course. You got, yeah, sure. And Guy's like, hi, you should eet it, though. She brought it. You know, like, just in a way mm. that, like, obviously your partner would be like, I don't give a shit. We weren't Yeah, in, don't eat it. In Throw it away. This. Exactly. This old lady brought us dessert. Get rid of it. So she eats a little bit, and then she kind of dumps the rest in the trash, but it's enough that, I guess, she ate. She starts to pass out, and Guy wow. puts her on the bed, and she's sort of fading in and out of a dream because she didn't eat the whole thing. If she, I think we're to believe if she had ate the whole thing, she'd be completely passed out. But okay. she's kind of in and out of a dream, and, like, she's on the bed, and the bed's also, like, a yacht on the, on a, on the ocean. And okay. Unfortunately, that goes from kind of a pleasant dream to a dream where she is being carried into sort of a, a dark mass and uh, being raped by the devil. Oh, Cool, cool. That's not a yacht. <laughs> and at a certain point, she's lucid enough. She looks around. She is surrounded by naked people 
a new, just a new group of people, including the cast of Eds and Guy. Okay. And in case you're not clear on whether or not it's happening in the dream, she shouts, this is no dream. This is really happening. <laughs> Which I always feel like that must have been a studio note of like, they're not going to get it. Yeah. Never say it's real. Yeah. Then they get it's yeah. the devil. Feels very like added after the fact. Like just cram it in. And she's Catholic. So she's having like, she sees like nuns. They talk about the Pope is coming and she's like, she, the Pope is in her dream. But it's really just like, she, it's sort of this dream logic. But in the at the end of the day, she's being raped by the devil. So that's real. No, it is a dream. Okay, it is. We don't, <laughs> we don't know, Allison. Even though there's that very clear line written in there, I still am like, wait, but what did happen? Well, I think you should listen to the, I'm going to say the line again. This is no dream. This is really happening. But we're led to believe she wakes up from that. She wakes up in her bed nude. And a guy's getting up. He's like, you're asleep. Oh, you're sleeping late or whatever. And he, and he says, this is, you can't, I tell, always tell you, you can't mix cocktails and wine. You got so drunk, whatever. And she looks and she's covered in scratches. Ooh. And guy says, hey, so, I'm sorry, I already filed them down. And she's like, did you have sex with me while I was passed out? And he says, it was kind of fun in a necrophile sort of way. What? And, and she says, <laughs> I dreamed someone was raping me something inhuman. And he says, thanks a lot. Yeah, be offended after you uh, raped your wife. <laughs> now, obviously, if you put this in a movie now, you'd be like, well, this guy, it has to be killed by the end of the movie. Yes, if he survives, we have failed as a society. I was like, is it just, is it just that it's, that's how it seems now? Because like, not, if, so, if your partner said that to you and admitted, yeah, I had sex with you while you were passed out and I scratched you all up, uh, that would be the end of the relationship, also a felony. Yeah, yes, no matter what era, let's, that's always, have, I don't know if that's always been illegal and I can't even begin I to either. pretend I have the information on right. that. Right, well, I mean, is it like, is it, but it, it would be like, modern. I'm out. Yes. Like, that would be my hopeful reaction that most people would have is, I can't be in this anymore. And he says to her, I, look, I'm sorry, but I didn't want to miss the night to conceive. Now, Allison, I got to ask you at this point, what would you do? <laughs> What would you do? I would leave. I would you pack leave. Up, I would pack up my things. I would call the police. I'd find another classic six that my unemployed self can afford. Yeah. There's no there's no other option. There's no way to rationalize this. Like it's one thing if you have a scary dream and then your husband or a partner or whatever is very consoling and it's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I don't I don't know what happened or whatever. But then to to say, oh yeah, I did have sex with you or passed out, that's it. You have to go. So, cut to Guy is rehearsing for his new role, and it requires him to use crutches. And he's like, oh, he's just practicing using his crutches over and over again. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, don't marry an actor is sort of what I'm taking away as the moral of this. So, Guy's clearly, he's obsessed with his new role, and he's practicing how to use crutches, and he's, like, obsessed with his himself. And, and Rosemary keeps me like, can we talk about, like, what happened or, like, what's going on? And, but meanwhile, uh, her period's late. So she's starting to be distracted by, like, excitement. Like, what if I'm actually pregnant? So she goes to see Dr. Hill, which is played by uh, Charles Grodin in his first feature film role. Oh, wow. That's fun. Yeah. And he's, like, a very sweet, nice doctor. And he calls her and he's like, congratulations, you're pregnant. So not only is she pregnant, they basically could tell within two days that she's pregnant. That's not how it works. Exactly. So that's bad. But he does, does tell her, could you come in and give us some more blood? Because we need to do some more tests. And, and she said, what is it for? And he's like, oh, for blood, um, blood sugar. That's, that's what it is. Presumably, he, they have found something in her blood. 
that they want to have a take another look at. And this is, again, like, as a woman or as just, like, a person who isn't a medical professional, like, you just don't know. Right. And you're like, I guess that sounds fine. Like, you're just not in control, which is so scary. It's like, I guess they said they need more blood. I guess I just have to, that's what it is, right? Like, there's no second, like. Yeah, you can't, You. it's like, unless he tells you something, you have no idea. Right. It's hard to contextualize things. So unless he's like, oh, we need more blood. You're like, yeah, okay, sure, more blood. Why wouldn't you need more blood? Yeah, I give my doctor blood. And uh, she tells Guy, and he's thrilled too, and they hug. And, you know, and and Guy's like, I'm so excited. I'm sorry about the other night, but I'm just so excited that you're pregnant. I would love to go tell the Castanets. And Rosemary's like, why the fuck do we have to go tell? We just, who cares about them? We haven't called our families or anything. But so he goes and he tells them, they burst in, and they're like, oh, you have to go to our friend, this gynecologist, this OBGYN, Dr. Abe Saperstein. Go to him. He's like the best in the, you know, the city, and you'll, you'll get a good deal. You, you won't have to charge these, like, rich person rates. So they essentially strong arm Rosemary into going to their friend. No. I, no. No. You don't let an old couple who lives near you dictate how you live your, like, medical life. <laughs> So she goes to Dr. Saperstein, who does seem very nice. But then he tells her, don't read any books and don't listen to your friends. Okay? Because every pregnancy okay. is different. And uh, don't take pills, like over-the-counter pills. Mini Castavets will make you an herbal drink every day. And it's just better to get fresh ingredients. And Rosemary's like, yeah, that stands to reason. Okay, sure. Everything's going to be great. Love when a doctor's like, don't read any books. Like... <laughs> and I guess, like, it's the idea of, like, you're just going to scare yourself. And I get, sure. like, I'm sure doctors now are like, please don't look at, web, don't go- Google yeah. one symptom in WebMD. And you're going to think something's of wrong. Of course. And so it's still close enough to, like, reality that you're like, all right. Now, the I, fact that he would advise yes. his friend to make her an herbal drink. That seems not like a doctor. Right. Instead of using actual prenatal vitamins. And so this to me is the last straw. Okay, I got, you know, I got assaulted by the devil and my husband was unsupportive and maybe he did it, I'm not sure. She gets a new, like a pixie cut from Videl Sassoon. She walks in and Guy says, don't tell me you paid for that. <laughs> what? I'm out. You let you stood by why the devil raped me. That's on me. It's like, that's one. I, I just got a haircut and you have to clown on my haircut? No, no. After no. everything else, you After should be nice all to of me. That, all you should need to do is be like, honey, you look beautiful. Like, that's what it is. Or say nothing. Like, you could say, say nothing. nothing. You don't need to, like, make fun of her. Right. It's like, is guys so, like, just so, I guess, was like, selfish and cruel that he, like, it, like, obviously he is in on or knows what's going on. And he can't even restrain his being mean about her haircut. Like, it's like, you should be so nice to her if you have entered into some sort of deal with the devil. You're playing the game of, like, keeping her in this world. Like, you should try and be nice about it or else she's... Don't give her other reasons to leave aside from letting the devil have sex with her, you know? So, uh, Rosemary's first um, trimester is horrible. Like, she's in constant pain. She drops a lot of weight. She's incredibly gaunt. You know, and Dr. Sabatine's like, you're a very, you're a slender woman. This is, your pelvis is expanding. So there's a, you're going to have a lot of sharp pains. Mm. But she's reading books. She's like, what if it's an atopic pregnancy? You know, and she's, she looks sick. Yes. And, you know, guys like, you're fine. Your haircut's bad, but you're fine. And then finally, Hutch stops by. And he's like, you look skeletal. You look terrible. What, what's going on? She's like, oh, you know, I'm, it's fine. A lot of people lose weight in the first trimester because of, like, morning sickness, which is true. But yes. she looks she looks unwell. Yeah, you won't look gaunt. 
And and Hutch is the first person who's like, but how much weight have you lost? Like, what is going on? What is Tannis root? Like, why does it stink <laughs> around you? Also, like, why is he the only one asking these questions? And I guess that's the other New New York part of this, where it's like, yeah, I guess I believe like if you if you got pregnant in New York, you might not see your friends for three or four months. Like if you had just moved and then you just got pregnant, this might be the first time that you saw somebody else besides your husband and like the two other people you know in in your building. I guess her having, like, no life. She has no job. She has no job outside of it. Is how this is happening. Exactly. She doesn't have hobbies or... This is really, I guess, it speaks to how we need to live a life outside of our homes, which we can't do now. Wow. Wish I could. (laughs) But yeah, like, this. if this happened during quarantine, if you remade this during quarantine, she's not seen anybody the whole time. No, no one's there to help. No one's there to give advice and to be like, hey, wake up, lady. This is all wrong. So a guy rushes in while Hutch is there and kind of hurries him out. But when Hutch goes to leave, one of his gloves is missing. But they're all like, oh, you must have left it on the bus or whatever. But it is something odd. Yeah. And so Hutch calls later that night and says, hey, could you meet me in the morning? And um, don't tell Guy. And meet me at the time, life building. I just want to have like a, a lunch and we're going to talk. So obviously okay. Hutch is, has cued on to something is yes. wrong. Something, Yeah. Rosemary goes the next day, and Hutch never comes. <gasps> and this is very, it's great scene of Mia Farrow looking so sad and sick and just, like, wandering around and looking at all the Christmas windows. Oh, God. Just waiting for him. And finally, she calls his apartment. And I think we're to think, like, it's his girlfriend picks up, this woman, Grace. And she's like, oh, I was meeting Hutch at 11. Is he there? Or maybe I misunderstood. And she says, oh, um, Hutch fell ill this morning, and now he's in a coma at St. Vincent's. Okay. So Hutch is now in a coma. That's bad. <laughs> you know, and so Rosemary's like, oh my God, like, I can't believe it, you know. And so now it's it's the new year. They have uh, a party with the Cassavettes. And Rosemary's reached a point where she's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not only hanging out with our 80-year-old neighbors. Like, I'm not seeing, not seeing yeah. people. I feel Girl, like shit all the time. Put your foot down. Like, you do not, you should not be spending that much time with them. And this is, I think, we get to the point of, like, this is the importance of having female friends. So Rosemary says, in the New Year, it's like January, I think we're supposed to think. It's like, I'm having friends. You have to be under 60 to get in. It is all (laughs) of our old friends. I'm going to dress up. And guys, like, I just, I think that you're not up for it. I I think you're, you know, you look too tired. She's like, I don't care. I don't care. I will hire a bartender. And so they do this party. And all of her young female friends are like, you look horrible. <laughs> what do you mean? Why are you going to, you told me you're going to Dr. Hill. Why are you going to some other guy now? It's like, no, you shouldn't feel like you're dying for the first like four months of your pregnancy. No. And they kind of kick guy out of the kitchen and have like this like girl talk moment. Where Good. It's like, and it's like, if you've been in pain the entire, your entire pregnancy, you have to see another doctor. Like something is wrong. This guy is like a quack. Yes. You know, like they're assuming like, oh, this guy's like trying to do natural medicine, but like this woman has an actual problem. Supernatural medicine. Exactly. And her friend Elisa says, pain is a warning that something isn't right, which is a, a, a great point. What a great line. And so that night after the party, Rosemary said, I'm going to see Dr. Hill. I want to take over-the-counter medication. I'm not drinking these, like, herbal drinks or whatever. No. And Guy says, is that what these bitches were giving you in there? Is that their hint for today? They're Get a bunch him. of not very bright bitches. And it's like, you have played this all wrong, Guy. Get him out of there. Like, Fuck you. You're going to make fun of her haircut. You're going to insult her friends and call them stupid bitches. No, absolutely not. Get the fuck out, man. Like, And then he's like, I won't let you do it, Rome. I mean, because it's uh, it's not fair to Saperstein. Not fair to... What do you mean? 
you talking about? What about what's fair to me? And as she's screaming, the pain stops and she feels her baby move. And I think it was like just at that moment, like it's like sort of like to distract her with like a moment of happiness from what all has been going on. From the nightmare that is her life. Yes. And so like in the moment, she's like, oh my God, I suddenly feel fine and the baby's alive and moving. Like instantly she feels better and she takes the guy's hand and puts it on her abdomen and he jerks his hand back. But she's so happy she doesn't notice, but we do. Oh no. Cut to, it's summertime and she's three weeks away from her, her, her due date. Okay. She gets a call. Hutch, who had been in a coma for months at this point, he did. So Hutch, He's, okay, Hutch is dead. Great. So she, she goes to the funeral and she meets his girlfriend, Grace. And she's like, oh, you know, Hutch woke up momentarily and he told the doctor to give you this book. Because he was going to give her a book that, mo- that morning that they were meeting. Right. And he, he said the name is an anagram. But I, but I didn't know. We didn't know if that meant like the name of the book or the name of the author. Okay. And the book is called All of Them Witches, which is a great title. That is a great title. Also, he, like, briefly woke up from a coma to be like, give Rosemary this book. God bless him. I mean, By the honestly, grace of God. He's the only guy. good person in this movie. Exactly. At least Elisa, like, one of her other friends, they could have, like, called on her. You know, they yes. could have followed up, like, a couple weeks later and be like, hey, did it, what happened? Why don't you come stay with me for a couple days? Yeah. Yeah, but I guess we're going to think the last couple, like, uh, months, like, she hasn't had pain. She's gained weight back. Like, she looks good. Okay. Like, she looks, like, normal. And she, like a normal so, pregnant lady. Okay. Exactly. So she's reading this book, and in the book they mention Adrian Marcotta, which, if you remember, is that male witch who was um, attacked by the mob outside the Bramford. And it turns out that he has a son named Stephen. And in a perfect horror movie move, she's like, wait a minute. The name is an anagram. She gets out her Scrabble board and she's scrabbling it up. She's as coming a, with as all a Scrabble the... person, this makes me very happy that it's solving a problem. Yeah, I do feel like you would be able to survive this because you'd be so good. I'd be yeah. like, I, can't, I don't even have a Scrabble board. <laughs> I can't. I'm going to order one from Amazon. I'll be dead by the time it comes. It's true. So she unscrambles Stephen Marcato. It, it spells Roman Castavet. Yep. So That's we amazing. realize that Roman I mean, is terrifying, but yeah, incredible. So unfortunately, she still thinks that Guy is like on her side. Oh, girl. So when she goes home, she's like, "Guy, oh my God, they're witches!" Like, can you believe this? And Guy's like, "That's crazy! Wow, that's like really crazy. I didn't know that. That's you know what? That that's probably not real. Like, he's immediately no. trying to downplay it, downplay it. Rosemary's like. I read in this book that witches use baby blood and baby flesh in their rituals. And now I'm convinced that the Castavets are going to take our baby and mush it up and do magic with it or whatever witches do. I'm convinced of that. And Guy says, we'll talk about it later. This motherfucker, he should be the one jumping off the building. Serious. Also, like, the fact that he's named Guy, which I understand is also a very common man's yeah. name, especially for this era, but, like, it feels like such a perfect, like, he's just a stand-in for, like, all of the awful ways that men treat women. <laughs> like, right. Guy, just, like, not believing her, <laughs> pushing off conversations, like, all that so she goes to Dr. Saperstein and she's like, I hear my concerns. I'm concerned these witch are going to see him, you know, whatever. And, and Dr. Saperstein says, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but um, Roman Kestevet is actually dying. He's terminal cancer or something. And they're leaving to go out of town for a couple months so we could have like a final trip. You know, that thing that all terminally ill people like to do is yeah, travel, travel for months. Yeah. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm well that I don't even want like to travel. Yeah. And so she's like, so actually you're totally fine. And Rosemary's like, 
okay, good. I guess that solved my problem. They're gonna cool. they're gonna leave. They're not gonna eat our baby, and well, he'll die, and and then um, yeah, that'll be great. And so guys, when they get home, guys like, oh yeah, I threw that dumb book away. And Rosemary's like, why would you throw? That was like my last gift from our friend. Also, don't throw away my stuff. <laughs> and she she has started to realize maybe Guy is sort of in on it. Yes. And so she goes to that other New York staple, which is a used witch bookstore. You know when oh, you course. go into a used bookstore and they just have all these occult books that, yeah. like, teach you everything you need to know exactly at that moment in your life? Yes, yes. and it's in your neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, she finds out, like, essentially, like, oh, a coven, if you use their united mental force, can kill people, drive people to suicide, blind people. Mm. And so she real she thinks about oh wait they it needs to have the coven needs to have like an object of someone to in order to do the spell on them so okay. that's why they took Hutch's glove. Rosemary calls oh, Donald Bla- uh, Baumgart, the guy who went blind, the blind actor. Yes, and he said and she asked him, "Did anything of yours goes missing the last time you saw met up with my husband?" And Donald goes, "Oh, you, he took my tie." And oh, Rosemary's okay. like, God damn it. So she packs up her little hospital bag and she her pregnant ass hits the road. She's Good. out of there. Get out of there. Okay, Allison, we now arrive at this point in the episode. Who will survive? Who will survive? I hope everyone dies except for Rosemary. Right. Yes. That's my prediction based on what I want to happen to these people. Um, there's also, she refers to her um, unborn child as little Andy or Jenny. Which I appreciate. What do you think is going to happen with little Andy or Jenny? Andy or Jenny? I mean, I feel like all of these monsters are going to try and steal it and eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that ultimately, that won't happen. Great. She'll save it. And is there any other twist or is there anything you'd like to like, you think is maybe like in the offing? the twist. I mean, I would like to find out what is happening with the building, like which, like what, which witches um, mm-hmm. are like, are they hanging around? Is it cursed? Like what's going, like why, I understand why this is happening, but like right. the greater why is this happening? Right. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh-generation. Find seventh-generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com. All right. So finally, Rosemary is like, I am out. I, I need to I need to find help. You know, she calls yeah. her friend Elise, but Elise isn't in. Um, she Hutch is obviously dead. She goes to Dr. Saperstein because she hasn't really put together that Dr. Saperstein is obviously in on it, but she's right. in there, she's waiting in the um in the waiting room, and the receptionist says, Oh, I like your perfume. It's so much better than what you normally smell like, no offense. And uh, Rosemary's like, oh, yeah, I had my good luck charm. We saw her. She threw it down a sewer grate. Yeah, girl. You know, sort of this moment of, like, fuck this. And there's someone who says, well, I hope the doctor follows suit because he often smells like that, too. (gasps) And she's like, oh, shit. Like, he's in the coven, too. Did she not notice because she's smelling it all the time? Exactly. That's what the receptionist said. It's like, oh, you probably didn't even notice because you smell like that all the time, which is a very funny thing for a stranger to tell someone. (laughs) But in this case, it's very helpful information. No, it's very helpful information. And so, and so, and also Rosemary, who's nine months pregnant and also has a gigantic suitcase, is like, I gotta get out of here. And so she ducks out 
And I'm like, call anybody, get on the subway, like call the police. I don't yeah. know, like anyone. do anything. Get on a bus back to Omaha, you know? Yeah. So she calls Dr. Hill and eventually gets through to, the, through to him. And he says, okay, come in. She goes in, but she sounds like she has had a psychotic break. They're very clever people. They planned everything right from the beginning. They probably made some sort of deal with Guy. They gave him success and he promised them a baby to use in their rituals. And so Dr. Hill is like, okay, well, just hang out here. I'm going to try to get you a room in Mount Sinai because she's doing like three days. So it's like, mm -hmm. just calm down and I'll come and talk to you in about half an hour. So she relaxes and you have this moment of like, maybe everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And she has a dream where she's with her baby and she's surrounded by her family in Omaha. And she wakes up and Dr. Hill's coming in and behind him is Dr. Saberstein and Guy. So he called no. them. Oh, and you, no. don't, I, you don't know whether he sold her out because he's part of the coven or if he just sold her out because he's like, oh God, a woman is crazy. Yeah, she's lost her mind. Here's some people who like are in her life that I could consult. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's the point. It's like at right. this point, she has lost all agency, whether or not it's demonic or because of the witches or not. Right. So there's a very awkward ride home. And she's able to like basically get past them and get into the elevator and go up to her apartment and try to lock the door. But we realized that the reason there had been that heavy dresser in front of that one closet is that there's a passage between the Castavets' apartment and their apartment. Of course. So they all just come in. And they all, all the coven swarms in, all these old, old white people come in. And they're yeah. like, hey, calm down, it's fine. So she goes into labor. Like, she's so distressed, she go, oh goes God. into labor. Labor in your own home is already a terrifying concept. And she's screaming, like, I, I wanted to be at hospitals with doctors and medicine. And they're, like, holding her down. And it's awful. Like, that part is, she's, like, being yeah. restrained. It's horrible. Oof. And Elise calls back, and when a guy picks up and says, oh, you know, she's not in. And she hang, he hangs up. So Rosemary wakes up. And Guy tells her, you had a boy, and it's fine. Andy? Andy. And so she's in and out of um, consciousness. And then the next time she wakes up, Guy and Dr. Sabastine comes in and tells her that the baby has died. And she's like, that seems crazy. Because yeah. weren't you just in here and say that the baby was fine? fine? And Sabastine's like, don't worry. You could try again in, like, three months. Like, you could have plenty cool. of babies. Which is like, the, I'm sure, having never lost a child— don't you dare no. tell me I can start trying and get in a matter of months. Hell what the no. hell are you talking about? That is about? not what you're supposed to say. And guys like, wow, it turns out Dr. Saberstein said that you had prepartum psychosis and that you made up all that witch stuff. And you even thought I was involved. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, we're going to move to LA because it turns out I'm like now a very big famous star. <laughs> and so we can have all the more kids that you want. So essentially, we're to believe Guy agreed to this being like, you guys can keep a baby we'll, and we'll just leave it, we'll have more. Yeah. Like, what kind of monster? So that he could be a successful actor? Yes! Oh! It's such a Never stupid thing marry to an actor Don't or actress. An actor. Nope. And so Rosemary can hear there's a baby crying in the next apartment. It's like, how fucking stupid do you think? And they're right. like, oh no, actually a new couple just moved in it's and it's their baby. Different baby. So they keep trying to give her pills, but she pockets them and, and hides them. And so finally one night, she, you know, they think that she's been drugged and she gets out and she goes through the closet. And as she walks into the Castavet's uh, apartment, they're all gathered together. And there's a black bassinet with a cross hanging upside down. Now, that is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and in the bassinet is her baby. And they of do course. a great, uh, they make a great decision, which is they do not show the baby. Thank but you. she does scream, it's eyes. What have you done with its eyes? Oh, my God. What? And, and Castavet says, he has his father's eyes. 
And Rosemary's like, Gaia's normalized. What did you do to the baby's eyes? Like, Satan is his father. God is dead. Satan lives. And they all start chanting, Hail Satan. I wonder what, since we don't see it, like what Satan's eyes. In the glimpse of the, uh, when she's being raped by the devil, there's sort of like a yellow, like a cat eye. Oh, yeah. Like it has like a, yeah, like a vertical pupil. Or like a goat, sort of like, you know, just something inhuman. Yes. And so there's, there, basically they say to her, you know, if you want to, you could still be his mother. And Guy is like, you know, they promised you they wouldn't hurt you. And in, in a way, they really haven't hurt you. And she spits in his face finally. Good. Good. But then Rosemary hears that baby crying and she goes to it and she just has this moment where she smiles. And maybe she's not happy about it, but she is that child's mother. And that's yeah. the end. That's the end? That's the that's end. That's how it ends? That's how it ends. Yeah. What? I want way more closure. I want no. way more information on what happens. Like, are, am I supposed to believe that she's like, I live with these people now, they eat my baby, I go have another, like, what? I think we're to think that that is the son of Satan, and they're, Raising that's him? why they ha- they weren't going to eat him, that they wanted to have raised Satan's spawn. Okay. Um, and that Satan is the new God. This is the problem that we have with, like, why would anyone worship Satan? It's like, it gets kind of muddy in terms of, like, what we think. Yeah. What they're going to get out of it. But I think it's well, like, yeah. he's I mean, the son of Satan. He's going to be the new God, essentially. And Guy is going to go off and become, like, a successful Los Angeles actor? Yeah, he's like, going that's to... What he, like, that's what he thinks he's getting yes. from making this deal with the devil. Yeah. Wow. So, was it worth it? I guess we don't... They didn't do a sequel ever, right? <laughs> well, they did. They wrote a sequel movie. And, really? Oh, it's, a, it's a Lifetime movie starring Patty Duke. Oh, <laughs> And, and then they did a sequel novel, but neither of them are really, like, give me what I want, which is that yeah. I want Rosemary to go on, like, a, a killing spree for revenge yeah. for having put through this. So, but let's let's talk about what are some fatal mistakes. Fatal mistakes. I mean, the befriending of the Castavets. Castavets. Yeah. That's. A huge, that's the first bit. Like, just don't talk to your neighbors. Like, I've learned that lesson from 15 years of living in New York. You just don't talk to your neighbors. Um, as we've said multiple times throughout the episode, do not marry an actor. Yeah, don't marry an actor. That's another really good one. And we work in entertainment. And I mean, from our yeah. perspective too, don't, I'm not saying I would do this. Right. I'm just saying I've never been offered the opportunity to choose to do this. You know and, what I mean? And it's just, you, you really don't know, so. And then finally, if your partner tells you that they had sex with you and it was, quote, kind of fun in a necrophile way. Uh, just leave. That's a deal breaker, ladies. That's a pretty, <laughs> that is a deal breaker. I want to do a quiz, uh, this little segment called What to Expect When You're Expecting the Devil. So I'm going <laughs> to quiz you on pregnancy symptoms and you tell me whether these are real symptoms um, or side effects, rather, I guess, okay. of pregnancy or are they ones I made up for a demon baby. For de- okay, got it. All right, weight loss. I guess that's real. You said that was real. Yeah, that's real. You could lose weight in the first uh, trimester because uh, of, you know, all the vomiting. Yeah. Bleeding gums. Oh, God. I feel like it's real. It is real. It turns out when you're pregnant, you have 50% more blood in your body. It's a thing called blood. You gain a lot of blood weight. So, like, sometimes yeah. like when you go to the doctor, my friends who have had babies told me that you go to the doctor and you've gained weight. But, like, it's not noticed. Like, it's, it's just like your body is full of more blood. <laughs> And so I guess, like, as a result, like, you, you're... You bleed if you're, easily. Yeah, exactly. Um, nonstop vomiting. That's real. Yeah, it's real. I can Excessive, say that's real. Excessive uh, salivation. Real? Apparently it's real, and they don't know why it happens. 
Of course. And, and no one's ever going to find drooling. it. Either. No, why, why bother? <laughs> and then finally, nosebleeds. I, I got to go with the blood weight problem. They're there. all real. These They're are all, all real. real pregnancy all systems. real. But if you had all those, you'd also be like, I'm pregnant with the devil. Oh, 100. If all of those happened to you, you would definitely think that you were possessed. Um, and then finally, I want to do Apartment Hunters, all of them, witches edition. So I just want to quiz you, like, what for you would be the apartment deal breaker? Okay. If you found out there was a male witch killed in the lobby of your building 70 years ago, would that be a deal breaker? 70 is just not that long. Okay. That would be like if I moved into a place and, uh, what is it, 20 minutes? I can't do this math. <laughs> I was, I was shocked years? you were going to try. Um, what, 1950. Like 1950. Yeah, okay, good. We got there. I mean, 1950 is just not long ago, like, to think about. So, I... That would be up there for me. It would have to be a really nice apartment for me to be like, this is fine. I'm not going to think about it. And then finally, what if it was 12 years ago? I can't. Yeah, that's fair. That's a no. That's a no from me. What if two cannibal sisters used to live there specifically in your apartment? Not specifically. I mean, it depends on the market, but I really don't think I could settle. Like, I could, like, comfortably sleep at night with that. I mean, see, I'm like, that's fine. Cannibals aren't, like, supernatural. I'm like, that's that's on them. But you You don't know that, like, the witch... Like the ghost or witch version of them. I don't know. It still feels very haunting. I don't know if my current neighbors are cannibals, and yet I live next to them. It's true. You got to live somewhere. It's true. Now, what if a nosy older couple live next door and we're constantly touching your mail, which they Absol- do in this movie? I'm not. I'm handling, I I picking cannot. up her mail. No, no, no one. I don't even touch my own mail. Somebody else certainly shouldn't. I don't open my mail. Um, and then finally, you kind of already answered this one. Somebody constantly playing the recorder at night. At night? No, you can't. No recorders. No, no musical instruments of any kind. Again, we wouldn't know that, I guess, until you, you sign the lease. Yeah. And finally, we're here we're asking Allison the most important question of every episode, which is, from 1 to 10 on our spooky scale, how many screams would you rate Rosemary's Baby? A spooky scale. It seems like a, like a 7 or 8. Like, it's mm-hmm. not as much of, like, the scare, like, it's not, like, nonstop scares, but it is very unsettling. I'm taking it down a little bit because it's an older movie and it's just a little bit harder to be scared in some of the ways that, like, I would have been if it were modern. Okay. Fat, that, okay, we'll have to get more into that in yeah. a future episode. I really like it. I don't know if I find it particularly still, that, that's not true. I'm going to give it a six. And I want to be clear, the spooky scale, as we always say, this is how scary we found it, not what if, whether it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Right. And the acting is great. This is simply how scared were we while watching it. Amazing, amazing work. <laughs> We did it. Once again, we did it. Thank you so much for joining us for this beautiful Halloween experience. And we'd also like to thank, um, we have some new musical stingers, which you've enjoyed this episode. And we'd like to thank Matt Bouchel for composing them. He also did our theme song and knocked these out of the park. Yeah. So thank you so much for adding to the spooky ambiance of our Halloween month-long Phantasmagorium. Yeah, it's going to be candy and classics and everything. So um, please keep listening. And if you like the podcast, please rate and review. Tell your friends to subscribe. All of the good podcast things that you need to do so that we can keep doing this and can keep eating candy and watching movies. And most importantly, wherever you are, please. (laughs) Please, I beg of you. (laughs) Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Snyder. 
Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.